0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.
1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 British Open research picks and walkthrough with the stats we're going to be looking at course history well not so much course history as tournament history at the Open Championship plus a little bit of a look at the Scottish Open this week to see who could be propelling themselves to at least some cheap prices on DraftKings and in the betting market that we really want to go target and go after this week plus a walkthrough of fantasynational.com if you have not Joined fantasynational.com yet? Shame on you, but you can rectify that right now. Fantasynational.com/slash mayo gets you 20% off and full access on any membership to the most customizable stat database on the planet. All of the tools, everything you need to feel like you are the most prepared that you can be. With that 20% discount, the weekly membership is eight bucks, so might as well go do it, right? Perfect. Also, playing the Listener's League link on DraftKings, it's filling rather quickly already, uh, and the show has only been out one day for the DraftKings picks with Raza. Go back in time and watch that, by the way. But that's down in the description, as is the newsletter, as is the review giveaway. If you sub to the free newsletter, uh, there'll be cash giveaways in that as well, or you leave a five-star review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast with your Twitter handle or email address. In that review, you are in a draw for the giant cash giveaways this week. In all, I'll be giving away around $1,500. So, why wouldn't you want some tickets? Why wouldn't you want some cash? Spend the 28 seconds to do both, and hey, you're helping us out at the same time, just like you can do if you smash the like button to the episode. And in the comments section, give me your favorite old man who's playing in this field that you think can actually rival. Pull a Darren Clark in 2021, a decade later, who can win sometime in their you know early to mid-40s that you think actually has a chance this week. Going into the field, and looking at everything, there's a few notes that you should take away where we have the W D. So a couple guys just are not playing. Matthew Wolf is the latest to say that he is not going to be playing in the British Open. He is going to be replaced in the field by Andy Sullivan, the spaceman. So we have another Brit, another short-hitting Brit with Link's experience to add into the field. The entire DraftKings pricing will be updated, I'm guessing, by Monday evening, potentially even earlier than that, because once you factor in the three qualifiers from the Scottish Open, if anyone qualifies from the John Deere, they still have to remove Sungjae Im, Siwoo Kim and Kevin Na from the field add in the Martin Keimers and whoever the hell else replaced the rest of them uh, and we'll get a full field update on Monday morning Monday afternoon or Monday evening I can't vouch for how quickly this is going to work with DraftKings because sometimes you just never know like two weeks ago when they didn't release odds till like 24 hours after everyone else then the next week for the John Deere boom they're the first ones on the market with odds so it kind of wavers in either direction from time to time but if you just check and we'll update the entire slate on Fantasy National as well once DraftKings makes their update on that, as we'll update the odds for the British Open as well, if that's the category that you like to sort by on Fantasy National to go look at everything. But those are the withdrawals from the field. Other than that, when we speak about the field, we're talking about 156 players. The top 70 in ties are going to make the cut this time around. So it's like the PGA Championship in that way. So just, you know, slightly more, a slightly higher percentage is going to make the cut than your average run-of-the-mill PGA Tour event Uh, and much more than the U.S. Open, which was top 60 in ties, so... You can figure it out like the PGA championship and everyone is playing. Like I guess Tiger's not playing. Wolf isn't playing. The aforementioned guys who have already withdrawn are not playing. But other than that, you're going to get your full complement of players, plus guys from tours all around the world. And where there was no British Open last year, a lot of the players from the 2019, uh, like trying to qualify for 2020 that had already done that, they're going to be in the field along with the guys that qualify this time around. That's why you're seeing some of the bigger names or guys that you would just logically think are already... already in the field are not this time around because it's two years worth of qualification that they're jamming in to this one tournament but even when you look at the bottom end of the DraftKings pricing this week like there's guys down at $6,100 who they're not good plays but they're guys I could see going to if you really wanted to do like a super studs lineup or you really wanted to get in four guys above $8,500 there's guys down there that can make it work and not just Sam Burns who's $6,300 as Ben and I talked about on the DraftKings show Daniel Berger and Sam and Burns are probably the most egregiously priced players in the DraftKings player pool for the Open Championship. Berger comes in at $7,400. Sam Burns is $6,300. And that's not to say that these guys are going to be good or they're going to make the cut. It's just when you look at their typical DraftKings performance, the quality of player that they are, and where they are normally priced around the names where they're normally priced. Like, I know it's a different tournament. burger is taking, he goes from $11,000 to 74 Like, There was, he's not going to win the John Deere Classic, at least I I don't think, unless I'm barring like a a 57 on Sunday, probably not going to win in the quad cities. But that's such a substantial drop where, like, he is far and away the best player in one tournament. Then you bring him into another tournament, you would just expect him to be eight thousand eighty four hundred dollars. Like, if you put Daniel Berger at eighty four hundred dollars around Scotty Scheffler and Adam Scott, the guys that he is normally around, or even Will Zalatoris. Like you would have, you wouldn't bat an eye. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that that's properly priced. And you get him for like 1200 to to $1,000 cheaper than you're thinking in your mind. Like, yeah, that sounds like a great value. And it's the same thing with Sam Burns. Not that people love Sam Burns at this event. However, you would expect him to be $7,200, $7,300 along the lines of Christian Bezadenhout or Brennan Grace, like those types of players, Ian Poulter in the low sevens. And all of a sudden he's $6,300. Essentially, he's being priced with the amateurs that qualified for this. And Paul Lowry, whose age I'm going to guess is like, 85 years old at this point with the former old school open champions that are still getting their invitations to come play in this event. So that's kind of crazy to me. So let's jump jump over to fantasynational.com so we can take a look at the entire field. Uh, and you can see I have the stars next to the name of the plays that we gave out on the DraftKings preview show. Again, highly recommend you go download that. You go like, you subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Oh, and if Fantasy National is something that you really enjoy for golf research. You're going to love runthesims.com, which... Uh, is a new football site that I've co-founded with Justin Freeman that uh, uses a lot of the same principles of. There's no picks on the site; it's all research. It's completely free to use right now, too. So if you want to do some research for fantasy football, for DraftKings football, for gambling on football, you can get a sense of all the tools and uh, the season-long stuff will remain free for the entire year. Not going to charge for that. But when you talk about like optimizers and simulators and other things of that nature, plus all the stats are fully customizable over there. You can find that link in the description if you want want to go check it out. I highly recommend, hey, just go sign up for the site. Like It's uh, it's completely free, like I said, and just go give it a test drive if football and football betting or football DraftKings is something that you're big on. Runthesims.com. If you use slash Mayo, you can see all the premium pricing for the rest of the season, but you don't need to do that right now. It's completely free. See if you like it or not first. yeah, Give it a test drive, like I said. We look at the field um, outside of those two guys, like I mentioned, you can see, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing with Burger as of yet uh, at $7,400. like Even over the past, 50 rounds as you can see he's seventh in strokes gain total in this field Matthew like Berger is less than Matthew Wolf, who just withdrew obviously you know, we don't know that yet in terms of us putting everything in that just seems so strange to me or like Sungjae who's just not playing all that well versus someone like Berger, who has two wins since the COVID restart. I, I, that, I just found that to be quite surprising. And when we take a look at Sam Burns, he's down here like, I like Scrivener. He ended up just shitting the bed coming home at the Scottish Open to miss the cup. He'd been playing some good golf before that. But like Langer and Els, yeah, those guys could make the cut, but they're like, 50 and 60 years old. Like, Burns just won the Valspar. He's a good player. He's been in contention a lot. 29th in total strokes kind of any player in this field over the past 50 rounds. And I, even when we shrink that down a little bit more, like, Chris Kirk seems like someone who's a bit underpriced. Now, I will say that on Fantasy National, this is just drawing from majors, WGCs, and the PGA Tour. There is no European Tour, Sunshine Tour, Challenger Tour, Japanese Tour. So some of the European players and international players who do not play regularly, on the PGA Tour are underrepresented in this because A... The fields where they're playing really well in are not being represented, and they're much weaker fields, mind you, at the same time. But when you see someone like Kanaya, like he's playing essentially in the best tournaments possible. So he's getting stuff from Memorial, the PGA Championship, Sony, Zozo, which is equivalent to a WGC Field, the US Open, the Open Championship. And he's just a much better player than these results actually show, or at least in my mind he is. I think that he's going to be a really good player for a young, like he's a great young Japanese talent. Now, I don't know if he's more Hideki, or more Ryo Ishikawa, when we think about highly touted prospects coming out of Japan. He's probably somewhere in between, and he's still at the infancy of his career. But if you go to, like, officialworldgolfrankings.com, you can find, like, a deeper dive on some of these international players. Oh, the general, Richard T. Lee. I think he's Canadian. 4chan Kim, he's down here as well. Who are other guys who kind of pop off towards the bottom the glove? Taylor Gooch. I don't know if I'd necessarily go there. Hoffman's going to be a really interesting one to deal with. And I only say that because when I was going through all of the stats, and you can go to tournament history at the top, and we can call this Open Championship History... Uh, And we just sort by, you know, these are the last five years that we're seeing right here. Not good strokes gain data from this. We tried to parse it last time, but as you can see, everything got lumped into T and approach, so I wouldn't use that. Uh, Everyone in the field was just a neutral around the greens and putting. That's not actually how it was done. Uh, Strokes gain total actually rates out perfectly when it comes down to this, because that's just very easy to calculate at any tournament. But the strokes gain data for the 2019 Open Championship were just not parsed correctly. So... And that's something that you should be cognizant of if you're going to go look at that this week. So when I went through and did a bit of a breakdown, and this will be included in my column and the first newsletter, uh, just with a recap of all of this stuff. And when I go through like the hole-by-hole a little bit later on, I'll have the links in that. And I do highly recommend... My favorite article in major season is Ben Coley's player by player reviews of everyone. one. Uh, I always get a good kick out of it. I used to do the same thing on Twitter a few years back, where I would take like the top sixty players in the field, write like a stupid blurb about them. They were more like you know, comical than anything else. Uh, but you know, Ben kind of stole the thunder on that and did it properly. And then I was just like having a glass of wine on a Tuesday night, and I was like, you know what? I don't feel like randomly working for four hours that. I just don't have to. Maybe I'll try to bring it back if I got some time this week, but we'll see how that ends up going. There are three players in the five Open Championships who have come inside the top 10 three times of those five years. You can see Jordan Spieth with a ninth, a first, and a fourth. He is my pick to win this event, by the way. Uh, when I look at the skills that we go through, I, I we'll talk about skill sets in a second and how we can properly model this potentially or what you can research on Fantasy National to find it. But I think that like the Open Champ, championship there is just sort of an eye test element that you want to go through and well uh, this is not played at the same course every single year uh, we know that but royal st george's tends to be on the harder side of the open championship rotation justin ray uh, had a great stat that he tweeted out that three times in the past 20 years have players hit fewer than 54 percent of greens in regulation and twice it's happened at this course and the two times that it was played at this course so you're gonna have to have scrambling you're gonna have to have a bit of magic like and that's where watching the players really comes in handy. Like you can use your stats to supplement it. But I do think that it's a gut feeling week at the Open Championship of the types of players that you want to go with. And I think that creativity is going to be such a like, commitment to creativity too. like seeing the angles that the other players just don't see is going to be imperative, not being afraid to be the type of player who just kind of actually, you know what, I'll, I'll click over on this right now. Uh, is it this one? No, it is from the 2011 uh, Royal Saint George's. This is Thomas Bjorn in the final round. Who was in contention? Another older dude with who's a fantastic scrambler. Obviously, a good player in his own right. And you can just see you can't really control the spin. You got to play up below the wind. It was so windy on Sunday. He'll hit the front of the green here, and just you're not stopping. And look how hilly that green is, and with these roll-off areas. So, if we pause it, you can see like in this area, you know, the Chimers of the world are going to be very happy, the Stuart Sinks of the world are going to be very happy. There are places you can putt from off the green on this course, and that's just another dimension that you're going to go through here uh, when you go around Royal St. George's, and we can see more of it, and just look at that. Just look right up here. All of the fairways are essentially like this. They're a bit wider this time around, but just look at all of the undulations in this fairway. You hit the fairway, it's no guarantee that you're landing in the fairway at this course so you're going to be playing a lot from these weird uphill and downhill lies in a weird way it's a lot like Kapalua and the John Deere classic and Augusta in that sense where you're just not going to find a flat lie on the course but look at some of these devastating bunkers we scroll through it a little bit more this Derek Clark's pot just up one level and then downhill onto another like being able to control those speeds is going to be so difficult especially if the wind can get up to like 25 miles per hour which we're going to see here. Here's Dustin probably missing putts. Oh, here's old Jimenez. See, another old dude who's just randomly in contention. I'm not in contention. He wasn't up there with all the leaders, but he's having a really good round. Someone like Chuck Schwartzel is someone I could see potentially going to here. Let's try to see if we can find a drive from someone. Get Clark out of here. Jimenez wrapping it up. Dustin missing putts, because that's what he's going to do on the final day before he puts it out of bounds. Just kind of scroll through here. And we get a good sense just walking from hole to hole here. You can see Clark with his like little mini waddle going from course to course. But just when you get an overview of Royal St. George's, uh, you can just, it's like a fucking field. <laughs> that's all it really is. Um, so you can find all of us on the open champion or just the opens uh YouTube page. Uh and as we go through it, I think that's louis isn't it? Of all people that we can see here. I think this is the Sky Sport. Yeah, it was Louis. Good for him. Did not have a, a great go about it. And here's Phil. You can see the wind is picking up. Phil was five under on the front nine. So, okay. Okay. Let's take a look at Darren Clark's swing here and just watch what kind of trickles out onto the fairway. He's keeping it super low. He's got it a bit more back in his stance and you know anyone would actually have a driver and that's how you have to play it uh, at these courses, being able to adapt like that. Now he's just in the middle of some hill on a field. Uh, if you're not used to these Lynx conditions or don't have the type of game where you can kind of scramble out of that, it's just going to be so difficult uh, and you're going to make some gigantic numbers on this course. Just look at these bunkers. Jason Kokrak gets in that bunker. He's never getting out, I that's impossible he couldn't get out of the colonial bunker he's gonna get out of those things not a chance then we're gonna see dustin coming up with this like shaky handy cam i guess paul greengrass was directing this one you can see you know, the wind is picking up there's blind shots everywhere on this course and just look how hilly it is and dustin's gonna try to cut everything off and maybe i think it's, i can't remember which hole this is um we'll see where he lands it so he lands it. Yo, he's in the middle of the shit. And now he gets a nice fair. He's not quite back out to the fairway, but he gets it kicked out into one of the flatter areas, but that's still a valley. So even when we scroll like and zoom back in down to that level, we're not even sure whether that's going to be a flat lie or not. So you have to expect the unexpected. And who are the players when you're thrown basically like a gigantic pile of shit in your face can you scramble your way out of that and that's why i went with Speeth. i feel like when we go back to fantasy national and we just look at the players again who have been playing really well at open championships i think that's a pretty critical element and that's going to be one of the hard reasons to get behind bryson i think that bryson could be really good at this open championship if he plays within himself like he did at the players championship knowing what he has to do off the tee knowing where he cannot miss we've never seen big beefy bryson you know after he's balked up play in these link style courses Maybe he's just awesome at them. I can see it. He's a strategist and thinking through this course and where you can miss and where you need to play it and being creative. People don't really think about that in terms of Bryson, but I truly believe he is that type of player. I just don't know if he has the discipline right now to actually figure that out and rein it in uh, when we're really going through it. So Spieth, I know, is that type of player and it's translated across all Open Championships. The hardest thing for Bryson is going to be if weather just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, When we get to like the, after Phil makes his eagle on seven, uh, you can, let's see if I can find it on here because I was watching this final round the other day that all of a sudden like the wind picks up and it just starts pouring rain at some point. And then all of a sudden the rain is all gone and the wind dropped down a little bit. Uh, you, you see Phil, like, getting himself ready in his, like, poncho gear. Uh, he's, he's changing everything around, uh, changing his outfit for this event. And then, like, honestly, 20 minutes later, it just stops raining. Uh, and that is the end of it. So you need to be able to conform to your conditions really quickly and expect the unexpected. That's not to say that the weather is just going to come. It, it might not. Uh, I can see what the weather is looking like right now. This is the wind finder that I'm using for the week. It is the Sandwich Bay one. Uh, as you can see, yeah, pretty benign Monday and Tuesday. Thursday, we're going to get some winds. It doesn't look like there's any rain in the forecast, which is nice. But we're still a ways out right now. Uh, gusts up to 13 throughout the day. That's not so bad. We had gusts pretty high in the morning, 15 or 17 and 15 once the guys are on the course. Saturday, it's a bit down. But when I checked this out yesterday, it showed Thursday as like max five mile per hour winds. So now it's picking up a little bit. And it looks relatively benign on Sunday as well with no rain. Rain in the forecast whatsoever i would have problems really trusting this too much as we go through it. like you want to check back wednesday right before lock and see what it's doing thursday morning that's another thing that ben and i talk through when you try to trust the weather like trying to find a split and even a micro split in some of these waves could be completely advantageous but i think By trying to check the radar, trying to check the rain, trying to check the wind, you can only see what's in front of you for basically like the next eight to 10 hours and hope that you get lucky that it's accurate. Trying to project into Friday afternoon, even from Thursday morning, is just going to be incredibly difficult. So I would watch out for that. So Spieth is one of the guys with three top tens in the past five years. The other ones are Rory and Brooks. So the players with at least two top 20 finishes in the past three open championships, you have Spieth, Rory, Brooks, uh, the three guys with the top tens, Stenson, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose, Finau, Malinari, Eric Van Royen. Matt Kuchar, Alex Norrin, Xander Shoffley, and Charlie Hoffman. And players who have made the cut in every appearance in the past five years in a minimum of three starts in British Opens. Spieth, Stenson, Rose, Finau, Brooks, Norrin, Ricky, Cooch, Webb Simpson, Danny Willett, Xander Shoffley and Lee Westwood. Cantley, EVR and Harris English are two for two in cuts over that time. Englishes are not the past two years. They actually come from 2016 and 2015. Not great finishes, but I do like him this week. I think that he kind of has sort of a British open game. Like Kevin Kisner is an American who I would say, just from my gut feeling has more of an open championship game. Just you're not going to like the bombers, Listen, if the weather stays down, the Bombers can go at some of these greens. But if you're not going to hit that many greens in regulation, you got to be able to scramble your way out of the shit. And that's not always the easiest thing to do for some of the guys that are just not used to playing from certain directions. I would actually take a look at, and maybe this is, like I think, Spieth, Stenson, Rose, and Rory. What are these guys good at? So, those are the top five players in open championships over the past five years cumulatively. Like, and we talk about strokes gained total over those five years, the summation of them, these are your top five guys. I just think that these are all players who are really good from 100 yards and in because eventually you're not going to hit the fairway. You're going to end up in the fescue and you're going to have to play out sideways or try to advance it four feet in front of you just to get it back. Like you're not going to... What Bryson did at the U.S. Open a few years back at winged foot is just not going to be possible out of some of these weird fescue lies that you're going to have at the British Open, especially at this course where there are certain patches where it's essentially death if you go into it. Now, maybe you can get out and advance it But then you're just going to be left with a lot of... 88-yard third shots into par fours where you need to get it up and down or 64 yards out. And when I think of Spieth Stenson, Zach Johnson, like that's where those guys are really good. Uh, Guys that are forced to lay up on par threes a lot of the time to get to their proper distance at some of the longer courses. I mean, Rory's not really that type, but he's good from 100 yards and in. So is Rose, so is Day, so is Finau. Uh, Finau, not so much this year. That's actually been a problem spot for him. But when I think about these guys historically, and even you see like Molinari, Mickelson, Norris, Ricky, Cooch, Reed, Webb. That's what these guys are really good at are those like 110 yard shots, 70 yard shots, knocking it down if they have to, having to roll it up. Like, I think there's a reason that why you see these guys year after year do really well at open championships. And at least I know. Where we've seen the, all of these players that I'm talking about have modicums of success, or at least a modicum of success, and multiple ones at certain points in the Open Championship, that I know that they can do these things and that they're willing to adapt their games a little bit. Whatever the worst players are, and even look at that, yeah, not shocking. Duval, Daly, Hamilton, Darren Clark, Billy Horschel hates this tournament apparently. Kevin Streelman's been bad, but that's only in two appearances. Billy Hoes missed three cuts in a row at the Open Championship. Poulter has been bad, kind of like Poulter a little bit this week though he's playing well at the scottish we'll jump into the scottish stuff a little bit more so maybe we can try to parse this out a little bit in terms of what it looks like statistically uh because i think this is more like i said of a gut feel week if you really want to go through it but proximity rates are something that we can try to attack here and see who's really good from 75 to 150 i mean streelman scott scott is someone that i'm trying to wrap my mind around just a little bit if max homo wasn't so horrible in major championships seven of eight missed cuts yeah, that's a big yikes coming into it. So you'd want to try to see who rates out well here. And I mean, past 50 rounds, we can scroll down to past 24 rounds and see what this gives us as well. Uh, I mean, you want good proximity players from all ranges. Strokes game approach is going to be incredibly important this week. But hey, now we're seeing some of those names that we saw at the very top of Open Championship players like Fleetwood. Scott. Maybe Vic Perez is someone to give a bit of a look to here. I don't know about Strillman. We just saw him that he hasn't played well, but it's only in two appearances, and he's going off a miscut at the John Deere, so he'll be taking his private jet over with Zach Johnson and the rest of the 14 who are on site there, and hey, maybe Chez Revy will win, win us some money, and then get into the British Open. Bubba is a real outlier in this entire situation. He's just so tough to figure out because everything that I've described you would think would really rate out well for Bubba Watson. Listen, he's coming in really good form, two top 20s in a row, The approach is there. The driving has been spectacular. Uh, But when we look at his Open Championship history, it's just he doesn't have a finish better than T23 since 2012. I mean, not a ton of missed cuts. He's making cuts, but he's just not doing what he needs to do. He just we want to play Bubba at places that we consider to be Bubba courses because we know that you know, Bubba deals with a lot of anxiety that sort of thing and you know being in a Bubba happy place and we coined that term before we knew about some of his mental health problems that way but I, there was something to that when he's feeling comfortable he can play really well and this seems like a perfect spot for Bubba to get creative with all of the different shots that he can make but there's, I think there's just something about him just being in Brittany like weirds him out like that time that he didn't know who the Beatles were uh, I don't know if he was joking about that but it just seemed really awkward and really weird so it just feels like he's sort of out of his comfort zone to be a very top-end contributor now at $7,300 you don't necessarily need him to be a very top-end contributor but these are some of the guys that I'm talking about here Fleetwood Scott ah, the Burmista Mista lady Get me out of here. Maybe I should be giving him a look at 6100 bucks. Speeth, Mickelson, Zach Johnson, Webb Simpson, Stuart Sink, who's won an Open Championship. Biz Aidenhout, I like a lot this week. Maybe I should give back a lean on Higo. Everyone's on Guido now. Because Guido has been so good recently, and Higo uh, has now been playing a little bit poorer uh, as we go through it after coming off his win at Palmetto. But maybe this is another spot. I mean, you, he has a lot of European Tour experience, so this is sort of the range where you can look at. Like Hoffman, I said, has the two. Is he the two top twenty guys? uh charlie hoffman yeah he has at least two top 20 finishes in his past three open starts and he's up there and you can see that these are the ranges where these guys play really well from so that's probably one that i would try to overweight this week when we look at it to be perfectly honest with you like maybe victor i'm gonna add victor perez to my short list these are not my final picks mind you but i think this is just a very interesting way to go look at it henley Man, Henley's just irons have been so good. I really feel like giving him a look, but I don't know if I can get there. And Webb's, Webb's starting to worry me a little bit with his recent form, but should I really look into what he did, you know, the rocket mortgage? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should trust the process with him. Willett is another player that we saw up there. So I think the this is a very key proximity range to save your ass. It's the save your ass range where you know maybe for Dustin and Bryson and Rory and different players like that you just want to see what their around the green numbers are but I don't think that around the green is going to be the most telling thing because around the green is just so much different here than it is at a PGA tour event where again you got to play it up on a hill past the hole and try to roll it back down it's just one of those tournaments so I think it's more of a feel thing guess who's back It's Magic Spoon, because growing up, cereal was one of my favorite parts of being a kid. But I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar. That junk you probably shouldn't eat, especially when you're mean. You're getting older now and getting that flat tire around your gut. So, you know, the sugar's not working out too well for me. Now, Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar. 13 to 14 grams of protein and only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories a serving as well. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO free. You can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors of coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon. I keep telling you every time I'm telling you about Magic Spoon is just order fruity. Fruity is so delicious. Even people telling me on Twitter, at the PME by the way, you know, Pat, I got some Magic Spoon. I got Fruity. You were right. It's excellent. And I'm not lying to you. It is tremendous. Highly recommend the Fruity Magic Spoon. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a delicious cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code mayo, that's M-A-Y-O at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. So if let's try to create something that we think, model-wise, that can help us out here. And the mixed condition model might actually be a more preferable thing here because you can put in Open Championship data Uh, into it. Do I have a British Open one? Let's see. British Open. What did I include last time? And you know what I can look up here is wiki British Open St. George's. See what we're going to find. Uh, I am not exactly sure where uh, this is going to lie for the British Open this time in terms of scorecard, uh, the Open Championship. We want to find the Open Championship 2012. I found that Wikipedia probably is the best source for this. Weirdly enough, because I checked the PGA Tour media site, it says that the yardage is seventy two oh nine. It's saying here at seventy one eight nine. The Open Championship site says seventy one like eleven. So it, it all depends on what tee boxes you're using. But this is probably the scorecard at least until they release the official official one that we should be looking for. So you're going to see one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight par fours that fall in that 400 to 450 window. Now the difficult thing to figure out is, we already have that in there, so that's nice. Um, the difficult thing to figure out is if the wind is in your face, there's going to play like 550 yard par fours. If the wind is behind you. Some of them are going to be drivable. So 450 to... F- 400 to 450 might not be the greatest baseline to look at, but at the same time, I think it is something that, you know, if there's going to be that many holes following in that range, we can kind of figure that. out. There's also two par fours, like 225 plus, so I'm going to add that in as well in the key proximity range, being that 75 to 100, at least what I, in my mind, what I think is going to be the most telling. I'm going to get rid of driving distance um i'll keep opportunities gained in and that'll be more of a benign condition stat that we can look at so approach over off the tee and off the tee instead of driving distance i'll include although if you look past darren clark at the very top of the leaderboard last time in 2012 like there's a lot of bombers at the top of that leaderboard uh just darren clark wasn't and you know you can scale it's a lot easier for some of these top-end guys to scale it back off the tee rather than the Molinaris of the world who really still need to juice it up with the driver to retain their accuracy, the Ryan Moore types, where someone like Dustin can just, you can put a four iron in his hand, he can hit the fairway a lot of the time and still have the same distance as those guys with the driver. So that's something to be cognizant of too when we're looking for it. That's why I say strokes gained off the tee, probably more telling than either fairways gained or driving distance this week. And, And as you saw from uh the tournament like when we look at these fairways you saw dustin can kind of roll it up to wherever he needs to go and hit it you know, somewhere off in the middle of nowhere uh and potentially roll back into the fairway. hey there's ricky good for you rick let's see anyway, so let's see what ricky's up to here let's see if he can hit the fairway on this one or if it's one of these ones that hits the fairway and just rolls off into you know the great abyss uh when we get into the the hole by hole a little bit let's see oh no he's just in the shit <laughs> that's not gonna go well Uh, what are we doing here phil let's see phil's tee shot yeah look look at this giant it's just like in the middle of a cow field like it's something you would see in like the middle of iowa but with the most devastating winds that you could possibly ever find what's phil gonna be doing here he's hitting driver where's this gonna go all right so he hits oh no he ends up in the bunk Ah, see there's just so much trouble that you can get yourselves into and they did widen the fairway just a little bit um this year to potentially ease some of that pain uh, and maybe trim back the first gut they're hoping that there's not going to be so much roll that you're going to hit the fairway and roll into the deep deep stuff just the normal stuff is what they're planning on right now but you hit one of those hills in a really weird angle it's just going to ricochet to god knows where so you need to be able to adapt to that once again so we'll go 15 percent strokes gained off the tee 25 percent strokes gained approach uh we'll yeah, 10% is probably pretty good for 400 to 450. I'm going to make strokes gained short game 20%. Uh, that is the combination of around the green and putting. Uh, opportunities gain, let's put that to 10%. We'll go 75 to 150. We'll call that 15%. What do we have left over here? We got 5%. And we'll go par threes 200 to 200, or sorry, 225 plus. And just see what this gives us. This is a different model than I'm used to making a lot of the time. So we can kind of check that out. What do we set it to here? We have it set to the past 50 rounds. I'm excited to see who this spits out. It's not Rahm, so that's interesting. Hoffman. Oh, good God. Charlie Hoffman, Abraham Answer, Cameron Tringali, Dustin Johnson. Oh, we got skipped on there. Uh, John Rom, Thomas Hatton, Spieth, Streelman, Brooks, Havlin Burns, and so Burns is even higher in the modeling at sixty three hundred bucks. Uh, Guido, even in eight rounds, still rates out pretty well. Who else from the bottom? Uh, actually, let's just sort of by salary range and see from the bottom, guys, that kind of stand out here. Burns at 6,300. Chris Kirk, 19th at 6,400. The Glove, 66. Jaust Lauten or the Juice Lutner, as we like to call him. Mr. Perm himself, 54th. Chuck Hoffman, 1st at 6,700 bucks. Tringali and both inside the top 10. It's probably a bit unfair. Stuart Sink kind of jumps out to me as well, as someone who could play really well at this course. Where is old Sink? Where are you at, Stumanji? He's probably not going to be there. He is 45th. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah, he's good from that range. He's good on the longer par 3. He's pretty good with opportunities gained. Not the best off the tee, but he can figure that out around here. Not the best chipper, but if he gets into these situations again where he can use his putter from off the green, maybe it won't be as disastrous as the situation as we've seen him in some harder places. Um, when you do the mixed condition modeling, like it's going to be really tough to... In terms, I would use strokes gain total if I was doing that. Let's try to take a look at that because if we. Just If we sort by difficult in the model, it's going to not give us some of the strokes gained info. I guess it will for the PGA. It won't give us for the Masters. Um, Let's we'll just sort it by that and see what it says. We're still in the past 50 rounds. Maybe that's too long of a sample to go figure out. But just with a, with the normal setting of scoring relative to par difficult, maybe you want to set average to difficult because it's not going to be easy by any stretch. You got Rom, Rory, Casey, Morikawa, Shez, Justin Thomas, Xander, Scotty Scheffler, Dustin, Kevin Streelman. I'm curious what this is drawing from in terms of courses for Streelman. So what's considered hard relative to power in places that he's played in? The 2021 U.S. Open, uh, the 2021 PGA Championship, rounds one and four at the Charles Schwab played harder than average. Memorial, all four rounds, Wells Fargo, Honda. So these are the courses that when we consider difficult to par, that you might want to be looking at this week, anyone from the bottom of the list really stand out? Probably not based on what we're trying to figure out. Kirk goes back down a little bit. He plays well, or well at easier courses. Uh, Shez gets a bump up. Strelman gets the bump up. Charlie Hoffman goes from 1 to 28 in these conditions. Tringali still around the same level where he was at inside the top 30. Van Royen actually sees a big bump up on harder courses. And again, this is the past 50 rounds. Guido and Connors, Uh, 31 and 32. Kokrak and Matt Wallace are, all right, they're doing a little bit better. Poulter and Henley doing a little bit better. Gary Woodland makes a huge leap. So does Christian Bezadenhout. So now we're talking a little bit. Uh, Let's try to shrink the sample size down a little bit more and say past 24 rounds on difficult courses and see if that changes up the the top end and maybe some sleepers that we have a little bit. Again, when you're building your mixed condition models, I would put strokes gain total because that will take all of the ones that don't have all of your approach and proximity. It'll add in open championship to that at the same time, too. So, our new rank over the past 24 rounds Casey Kokorak, Hovland, DJ, and Streelman, Rom, Xander, Morikawa, Tringali, and Brooks Kepka on difficult courses inside the stats that we were looking at over the past 24 rounds. And you got like Scheffler. Louis Spieth, Bryson zalatoris Brian Harmon pops up there as well. Connors goes up even higher. Patrick Reed is making his way into the mix now. Hoffman rebounds just a little bit in terms of recent form. He's now 25th in this modeling. But again, if we're searching for sleepers, and that's really what a lot of these stats will try to tell us this week, is who can Carlos Ortiz now sees a really big bump up. He goes to at 6,400. He is 30th over the past 24 rounds. Uh, the Gooch is tw- 45th, Glover. So Glover actually kind of plays these pretty well. Hoffman is 25th, Damon is now 31st, Griot, 34th, Streelman and Tringali inside the top 10. I-, I can't imagine playing those guys, but the numbers are saying do it. Kokrak, Guido, Connors, Harmon all now popping up. Bezadenhout going up a little bit of a level once again at the same time. Bezadenhout really good from that key proximity range on the harder courses, good on the longer par fives you know he's shit off the tee but if he can hit fairways all of a sudden he can just even if he was 63rd in approach you see him on these short par, shorter par fours the short game is immaculate the wedges are immaculate especially like you're 60 degrees coming into some of these greens and he has that links experience as well like i talked about and salatoris so casey so that's what i'm kind of looking for in terms of the overall modeling. If we go hole by hole, and if you do want to, you can search anything you want, like I said, on fantasynational.com. So fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you that 20% off if you want to search everything or if there's something that you saw on my screen, you're like, oh shit, Pat didn't even see that, but I saw it. And I want to go research that a little bit more. Having the membership, pretty good idea to have at that point. So this is a link that I'm going to throw into my newsletter and probably in my column coming up. Uh, It's from today's golfer um our 18 hole course guide to royal st george's Uh, i'm not going to go through the entire thing but i thought there were some pretty cool quotes uh in it as well Uh, this is from rory it's just one of those golf courses where if you get aggressive with it you can end up looking very silly said four-time major winner and 2004 open champion rory mcelroy but it has um a bit of insight from this guy oh boy here we go when this guy is taking carrier course i thought he was having a sig but he's not um so in 2018 we had a drought so the fairways were almost half bare. We lost a lot of grass and ran out of water. Spent the last few years getting the course back in shape. The yardage is actually going to be shorter than it was in 2011. Uh, I've made all the, this is the course superintendent at Royal St George's by the way. I've made all the greens bigger by miles and brought them a lot forward. The fairways are slightly wider and we have tried to make it so if you hit the fairway, you should hang into the semi rough at worst case, not go into the thick rough. So generous out there. We've also added one bunker and taken others out, but I suppose The big change is number four. We took the sleepers out uh, on the 4th to make it look more natural. It looks completely different, but it's still the same height. Number 5 was the one that the guys were driving in the final round, and 7 is the par 5 that is super easy on the front 9. There's another par 5 on the back, which is one of the hardest par 5s in major championships, so that's no eagle hole, put it that way. Uh, they've moved some tees around, and I thought this was a really interesting quote, depending on the wind. As a result, with moving tees, there could be some unusual yardages in par 4s which will become drivable. Off the top of my head, the second may be possible if it's down Win the fifth. We've added a front tee, which wasn't there in the last open. That was drivable sometimes in the final round anyway. The twelfth is drivable for Bryson, and believe it or not, the seventeenth, if downwind, Luke Donald doesn't hit the ball very far, and he nearly drove the green on a practice day in two thousand eleven. So the wind is really going to determine a lot of this stuff and some of the choices. Like that could be something that I think that could you know fuck around with some of the guys that are like, oh my god, these are now drivable, but. Just look at these greens. Like, if you look, like, right here, you miss this, like, going for it, and, like, you're here, or here, or here, or here, or here. You're death. I think this is a par three, but uh, and that kind of goes not a, as a part of a drivable par four, but if the guys, yeah, this is the par three. Yeah, the par three hole at Royal St. George's that ended Thomas Bjorn's Open Championship hopes. <laughs> because you get your, you make such big numbers if you miss in the wrong spot here that even if you have the ability to go for the green in one that maybe it's not the best choice. I mean, you can make eagle, you can make a hole-in-one on some of these par fours if you hit it right, but that's such a low percentile outcome trying to hold these greens and then still being able to miss it in the right spot to get up and down for birdie or for par. You can just make a fool of yourself, kind of like Rory said, if you get too aggressive. So that's why I like the speeds of the world. Again, the Zach Johnson's like, they're not going to have any illusions about going for some of these par fours. They're going to lay up to their spots and they're going to hit it in from 100 out, which they're great at. So uh, that's the type of player that I want to see even we look back at some of the past winners in the open championship just think about these guys these are the winners only i know this doesn't comprise the entire leaderboard but lowry molinari spieth stenson zach johnson rory Like, Rory is a pretty big outlier there in terms of being a bomber, but we know that he's really good with his wedges, and that was a different year at Royal Liverpool, Liverpool too. He won at minus 17. It was a complete shootout. Stenson and Phil, the year that they were out there, like, they are great wedge players, and they got the best possible draw. ZJ won at St. Andrews, and, you know, Day was in the mix, Louis was in the mix, Leishman, Spieth was there as well. But again, these are just another short-hitting Americans who hit their wedges really well. I would throw Spieth into that category. Molinari is kind of a guy who's in that category. Stenson most definitely is. These are not bombers by any means. And that's at all of the different open rotation courses. That's Portrush, Carnoustie, uh, Royal Burkdale, Royal Troon, St. Andrews, Royal Liverpool. And this one's going to be the harder one of the bunch. So that's where scrambling really comes into it. Uh, let's see. Everyone wants thick rough this year, and that's what they're going to get. We haven't cut the rough down. We're going to let it grow naturally, so it's going to be long. That's why you have to hit the fairways. Bryson powered his way through the U.S. Open, but there's no way he can prosper here if he's hitting the rough. You just won't be able to hit it close. I doubt that you would be able to get it to like stick on the green at all. Uh so this matches the Wikipedia one, uh 7189 yards, par 35, par 35 on both ends. Uh, In the event of a tie after 72 holes, the three-hole aggregate playoff will be on holes 16, 17, and 18. And by the way, the final four closing holes here are so hard. Uh, You can see, look at these three bunkers, uh, just guarding number one. Number one, like, you want to be doing your scoring out of the gate on this course. I don't want to go hole by hole, but this is the one that I wanted to look at. Number five, 422 yards with the downwind, perhaps best remembered. Uh, for John Daly driving the green with a long wind assist. But you can kind of get there. Dustin was getting there uh, in the final round. Like, he got it back greenside and made a par because he's Dustin. He left he left it, like, down here in this area. The pin location was right around here, and he barely got it over this, and stopped, like, 19 feet short, and he missed the comeback putt. Uh, it's a hole where... You shouldn't make bogey, but at the same time, it's not just a super easy, hey, let's drive the green, get it up and down, and be on our way. Just look at some of these bunkers. This is on a par three, too, and that's only 174 yards. It's one of the easier ones. Uh, number seven is the easiest hole on the course. Uh, you can make eagle. Phil and Clark both made eagle in the final round. Uh, going back to that. This is, and then number eight, the second hardest hole. You can just see you have to lay up to here because, you know, you don't want to be in the death area where there is no fairway in between the fairway and the green. Uh, there's not a lot of trouble around this, but even you have to leave yourself so far back on this hole that it's basically a long iron in. So that's why I said that when we were going through the modeling that the 400 to 450 isn't always the easiest way to do it. Because as you can see here, there is a forced layup. It is not your typical 450 yard hole. Like, you know, in your typical 450 yard hole, you put it out 325 yards, you're like right here. And then you have like a wedge in for like a hundred, a buck 25 or something like that. Now guys are going to be focusing on putting it like right here and making sure that these bunkers are not in play. You don't want to go up in the rolling fields up to the left. That's what makes this so long. You can even see the undulation on just this weird graphic right here. So you can take a bad bounce off of this. This is your primary area in this little valley right here unless you want to get it to stick up here, but now you're tempting fate trying to get the terrible lie. So you're going to see a lot of balls just kind of careen into here, stop, and you're going to have your flat lie. But again, that's like 190 away from probably where the pin is going to be cut. So it's a pretty difficult hole. And the wind was in their faces on that. So It made it like a 225-yard shot. They were double clubbing and still not getting there, trying to keep it down. So that's just sort of the the impact that you can see. So again, I'll provide the link to this um, in my newsletter. Uh, Join it in the description. If you join the newsletter right now, or if you have previously joined the newsletter, you're in the draw for some of those cash giveaways too. uh, And we can see it right here. So here are the closing holes that we're dealing with. 15th is the almost 500-yard par four, the fourth most difficult hole on the course, and just look at that layout. You can see why. Look at all the bunker trouble that you can get into, and the, these aren't, yeah, your American bunkers, put it this way. When you think, like, classic British open bunker, these are the bunkers that we're talking about. Even with a th- drive of 300 yards beyond five bunkers, that leaves a challenging carry over the three cross bunkers to a small saucer-shaped target framed by Mounds on the left and a runoff area to the right. Shots that miss on the left face a really challenging pitch back over a bank, which will just probably roll off to the right. That's probably what's going to happen. So, that is the fourth hardest hole uh, the par three sixteenth is not incredibly difficult but it's one that you can make a really big number on uh, and it's the last short hole at royal st george's and wind plays a big part in it thomas bjorn's hope of lifting the claret jug evaporated here after catching the false uh, the false front on the right and taking three to get out of the sand on the right hand side in this bunker right here so and yeah, not great uh and listen bjorn's one of the better short game players around the number 17th the 10th most difficult so on the easier side, side then you have 18th which is the third most difficult on the course it's basically just a straightaway 450 yard par four uh but it's one of the, as they say one of the most fearsome finishing holes in the open rotation the 18th hole at royal saint george's has played to an average of 4.62 in 1985 drives down the left side of the fairway bring a chain of three bunkers into play but offer the best angle to the small narrow target so this is where you want to be uh, but do you have the guts and there's like the entire fairway is sloped it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> when we look at all over but that's what i'm looking for i did want to give a quick shout out to my guy once again who's been really good with these uh scottish open and european tour tee to green numbers uh so this is through three rounds Dietrich and fitzpatrick feinberg called Dietrich the the european tony fina so we'll see if he can keep it up and just to see who's just not putting well at this term you can see rom has not been putting well all week lost almost two and a half strokes putting. He's still minus 13 that's how well he's playing at the moment oh the ace of wades wade ormsby he finally made some putts in round three but he had not got it going on Scheffler has been playing really well uh, you can see he's getting progressively better each and every day he's up there min woo! lee guess he'll have to take the spot of c Woo Kim this week patty you know, so Bjork has a lot of putting in around the green, although the irons were really good. He's had a really good round. I mean, when you shoot minus eight, everything is going to be clicking. David Law seems like he's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Again, at SGT number two green on Twitter if you want to check out Matt, who's providing all these. My guy, Otagi, need him to, I need him to come inside the top five. That would be excellent. So Victor Perez, I mean, Victor Perez, look at these strokes gained approach numbers. Like, he's probably just looking at it i don't have the cumulative totals here but i think that he is leading everyone in strokes gained approach at the moment the putter was on fire uh in saturday's round and we saw like from 175 to 150 he's one of the better players in this field maybe maybe big dick vic perez is the way i need to be looking let's let's go take a look at perez for a second and see what he is up to this is actually how i do my uh My research, by the way, if people were ever wondering. I just kind of jump around, I get different thoughts in my head, and I jump back to Fantasy National to see how things are going. Hey, he's been on a bad run here. He was ninth at the Players. That's a shorter course. API. How has he been in the Open Championship? He's never played in the Open? Really? Wow. That blows my mind. I guess this is his first time kind of going up and down. I want to go to officialworldgolfrankings.com and take a look at Victor Perez just to see if I'm not missing any Euro data on him. Apparently, I have caps locked on. That's never a good sign. Perez. Vic is, I guess he's still number 38 in the world rankings. I'm actually shocked he's up that high. I mean, we have, when you make four consecutive missed cuts, that's going to be the case. Yeah, so he has not been playing a lot. He was fourth in Austin, another shorter type course where you can take advantage of short game and putting players would be very much the same way. Fourth in Saudi earlier this year. All right, so he had it on a nice run. He was going bad, and it looks like he started to solve some of these problems at the Scottish Open. So Victor Perez, let's throw him on the shortlist. I don't want to forget about him. All right, so I'm going to mark him up. Uh, as a potential play in that $7,000 range. Fleetwood uh, doing it a lot around the greens right now, which is nice to see. Bobby Mack doing it a lot around the greens, not putting all that well. Victor Perez been brutal around the greens, but when you're playing that well on approach, it really doesn't matter. So I don't know how well he's going to scramble his way out of this, but if you can keep those irons up at $7,000, he's at least a guy who can score pretty well Where's Justin Thomas? Oh, Justin Thomas is not even in here anymore. Good God. Matthew Pavan is, oh man, some good iron play from him too. Bobby Mack, I mean, the reason that he is in, maybe he's inside the top 50 now, but the reason that he got his spot in the British Open this year is because of his top 10 last time at Portrush. So wouldn't be overlooking Bobby Mack at British Opens. He's a very good Lynx player. So Xander, I'm good around the green numbers after very poor the first two-day Bad on approach this time around. I like Xander this week, to tell you the truth. If he can get the putter back going well, I think he's going to be pretty they pretty good. All right. Think that's good for the research portion of this. Again, you can just dig in on slash mail for that discount for more stuff. And I'll have these links provided in my column on DK Playbook and in the Mayo Media newsletter, which should come out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday evenings. Maybe I'll just make it Monday and Wednesday this time around uh, so I don't overload you with too much stuff. But that's what I wanted to dig into. I, I really think this is a gut feel week. I think I found some nice sleepers potentially uh, with the key stats that I was looking for from Fantasy National. I'm going to try to weave that into what I see as relevant British Open history and what I see as relevant may not be what you see as relevant. So you can change it up however you want. But I hope this helped trying to walk through everyone and see some of the sleeper type plays where I'm looking for my research, how I'm using the tools. That's the whole point of these walkthroughs is to give you a better sense of how you can go do, do your own, like, like people you see on conspiracy message boards, do your own research. I thought the pause was fun there. I don't know. Either way, uh, stay off Facebook message boards regardless of what the topic is. They're toxic. They're very toxic Toxic stuff. It's like being on, like, Pornhub message boards. You probably don't want to be reading those either. YouTube's bad enough, but you friends have been so good in the comment section. Maybe give me some of your picks down there as well and, you know, give me some strategy tips. If you're from the area and you have some local knowledge, be free to pass it on. Thump it in that comment section below this video uh, so other people can figure it out as well. Remember to smash the like and sub to the channel. The Giveaways is joining the newsletter and rate Rating and reviewing the audio podcast. You can find both those links down in the description as well. Like I said, if you like doing your research for golf, for football, check out runTheSims.com/slash mayo if you want to see the pricing discounts. But it is free right now for the month of July. So just make a free account and boom, you're into it. All right. Thank you all for watching. Join the Listeners League link, and I'll be back on Monday with Feinberg to make some bets, okay? We'll see you next time.
0: Experience.